Welcome to Mimesis, the podcast about all the twisted ways that art and life imitate each other. I'm Sandra Sheriff Zacherly. And I'm Stacey Rourke. And we are your host on this zany adventure. Yes, we are. Dun, dun, dun. How's your adventure going? Uh, it's going. My lovely child got me sick. Again. So, again. That's what yeah. happens when you have them at that age. They are little germ magnets. Yeah, completely. You would think it's when they get older, but no. <laughs> no, nope. It's it, well, it's them because they go, they like touch their noses and they don't wash their hands and they touch everything. Like I'm just gonna wipe my hand across this wall and then I'm gonna lick my fingers. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he did, but I'm just saying that's what kids do. Well, and they lick weird crap like. Licking the handle of the shopping cart. I don't know how many times yeah. Madeline did that. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> gross. Stop doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's how you, that's how she developed, what is it? Hand, foot and mouth Hand, disease. Hand, foot and mouth disease. Yeah, yeah. she, she yeah. caused an outbreak of that in her school. <laughs> 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 My kid has not caused an outbreak of anything yet. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, we called her the outbreak. You remember the monkey from the movie Outbreak? Yeah. I was like, you're, you're our little outbreak monkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Notice went out to the school. That makes me think of Marcel, pandemic. Uh -huh. Yep. <laughs> That's, yeah. she was our little outbreak monkey. Oh, goodness. But Speaking you're feeling better friends. now? I am, yes. <sighs> I'm sorry. That was such a great segue and I cut you off. It yes. Speaking of friends, we are leaving for OUAB in just a few days. Yep. I will be down to Florida to pick you up to drive you back up here. You're not driving <laughs> me. We're driving together. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Make it sound like you're chauffeuring me. Um, I'm not. No, you're not. Unless you want to. I mean... I won't. I won't say you can no. Get some work done. <laughs> <laughs> I that would be great. I'm behind yeah. on deadlines, and I've already told my editor once that you know it's probably going to be the end of August, and now I'm like, possibly September. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's right around the corner. Do you have your costume ready yet? Did you figure out what you're going to do? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have two options. Um, the one is to dress up as the chef, Monica. Yes. Love or that. Or dress up as, do you remember when the air conditioning went out and she had that gray dress with the black tights and she's like yes. sitting in the fridge? I yes. have that dress as an option too. That's cute. That's yeah. cute. So I haven't decided exactly which... Well, I have decided I'm doing a costume change during the dinner. Um, there's are. going to be a, I am. There's going to be a costume change. I'm going to come in in one look, like a funny look, but I am not going okay. to continue the funny look because the funny look is really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to come in. We'll have a few laughs. We'll do the intro and then I'll go change into okay. my amazing dress. <laughs> <laughs> I guessed right. I got to see it. <laughs> Yes, you guessed right. <laughs> I'm so excited. And the other one, I think you, um, you know the other one. The other one is the one yeah. I was going to do originally. I'm going to come in yeah. with that look, 
but I'm not going to continue okay. with that because it's itchy. <laughs> it's itchy. Yeah. It's itchy. I That's don't okay. like it. Yeah. Yep. So we have lots of cons happening. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, right after that. Well, not right after that. It's about a month. Yeah. We're going to Dragon Con. And um, a good friend of mine, Jennifer, she hosts the, um, oh my God, what the Space Coast book event. Okay. Is that right? Space Coast? Yes. Um, She is also one of the volunteers that helps out with Dragon Con. And she talked to me last night about all the things that there is to do and to look forward to. Apparently Thursday night at Dragon Con, they do almost like a ball drop ceremony where you go to this one bar and they count down to midnight because that's what kicks off Dragon Con. And then like midnight comes and everybody like screams and there's this big loud cheer. And then like Dragon Con is officially launched. Which, well, that's awesome. Yeah. She said there's that to do. She told me where the authors hang out. I know the bar to go to to hang out with the authors. Yeah. I like bars. Oh. <laughs> yes. I don't drink, but I like bars. <laughs> I do drink and I like bars. Um, <laughs> but she told me where, where that is. And then she got me the hookup for an author signing that I had not signed up for. So I can actually sell my books for it's it's not the whole weekend, but there's like a, an allotted time and it works like around my panels where I can just okay go like have books there for a little bit for that'll be available. All sorts of stuff. And I have people contacting me about what panels I want to be on. And um, Fun. yeah, she was telling me about the panel discussions. And she was saying that um, I needed to sign up for more. And I had a lady that contacted me. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't say this on air because people would be like, why did you agree to it? But you know, like when you're an actor and they tell you, if they ask you if you can do something, just say yes and figure it out later. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was like, hey, have you watched the the shows based on Anne Rice books, Mayfair Witches, and the Interview with the Vampire series? Now, I watched the movie. I hadn't seen the show yet. But I love Anne Rice. So yeah. I was like, yes, I've seen them. I love them. They're great. And she was like, would you like to sit on a panel? And I was like, if you need me, sure. That'd be... So as soon as I agreed <laughs> to that, I was like, well, I got to go watch those shows. <laughs> So I watched I uh I watched Mayfair Witches. It's absolutely amazing. And uh I'm watching Interview with a Vampire now and it's so good. So good. Like yeah. the movie was okay, the series is just so good. So Yeah. Now I'm glad that I volunteered to do this. <laughs> I'm excited. That the panels sound really great. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And you know, we might I'm have nervous to get about some the panel celebrity. that I'm gonna be on. Yes, you <laughs> are gonna be on a panel at Once Upon a Book. I am. Talking about You'll be podcast. fine. I'll be fine. You'll be Maybe fine. Maybe I'll, I'll launch give a you... podcast right then and there. Show them how easy it is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is how you do it. Come here. Yep. We're gonna re- be like we're gonna record a little mini snippet and you're all gonna watch how easy this is to do. Yeah. This is how you can expand your brand. Yep. I'm really excited about what we got going on the next few months. We have a lot happening. We have a lot going on. Yeah. Big things. 
Yeah. And I, I, I've been kind of, you know, I do blurbs for people uh, on the side and it's something I've been doing for years. And you know how sometimes the universe like sets you up that something new is something bigger is coming. Yeah. Uh, I've had steady business for two years and now all of a sudden it's really slowing down and I feel like I don't, I don't feel panicky about it because I feel like something big is about to happen. So bring on the big lucrative adventures. That's, that's, that's what I'm sending out into the universe. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are we talking about today, ma'am? Today we are talking about catch me if you can. And Frank, I can never pronounce his name right. Abignail? Abignail. There you go. Well, I I don't know much about um, the man, but I know the movie was fantastic. The movie was really good. I think Leonardo DiCaprio did a really good job at portraying him, even though Frank says he did not do a good job. <laughs> really? He did not like the movie. Yeah. Why? Because he says it was not close enough. Because if they really wanted to do a movie about his life, they would show him in jail for most of his teen years. Okay. So they he thinks they glamorized it a little too much. Yes. Okay, I can see that. That that almost sounds like a man that does kind of regret his choices. I think a little bit, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like, he spent years <laughs> in jail and prison. Well, maybe, just maybe, he learned from his mistakes. Maybe he does, yeah. So the movie starts in 1969. FBI agent Carl Handratty arrives in France to pick up a prisoner named Frank Abagnale Jr., who became ill due to the prison conditions. Six years earlier, Frank Abagnale Jr. lives in New Rochelle, New York, with his father, Frank Abagnale Sr., and his French mother, Paula. During his youth, he witnessed his father's many techniques for conning people. Oh. Like, he witnessed his father try and get him a suit to go and open this bank account. Okay. In the beginning of the movie. And he, like, pulls out this, like, necklace, like, this is yours. You dropped it. Oh, I remember <laughs> that. Yep. I remember yeah. that from the movie. Yep. And it really wasn't hers. Okay. So because of Frank Sr.'s tax problems with the IRS, the family is forced to move to a small apartment. So one day, Frank discovers that his mother is having an affair with Jack Barnes, his father's friend from the Rotary Club. And when his parents divorce, Frank runs away. Okay. He was heartbroken. I get it. He was. Yes. Hey, you heard me. <laughs> In real life... <laughs> His parents separated when he was 12 and divorced when he was 15. Okay. So they had already been separated before they were forced to move. All right. Okay. But yeah. was she having an affair? Um, I did not find anything about that. Okay. But she did leave. Man, they, they made did. her look like she was stepping out. And we don't even know for sure. <laughs> right. Right. After the divorce, Abby now moved in with his father into his new in to the new apartment with his new stepmother to Mount Vernon, New York. Okay. So in the movie and in real life, needing money, he turns to scams to survive and his cons grow bigger and bolder. He took all kinds of risks. I mean, 
and the confidence you have to do to like throw yourself into that all kinds of risk like he like we'll get into it right now okay so his first con was against his father oh yep the student becomes the master yep (laughs) his first victim was his father who gave him a gasoline credit card and a truck and was ultimately liable for a bill amounting $3,400. At the age of 15. Can you imagine? He scammed. The way you would want to throttle your child. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You are getting a job right now, and you are paying every dime of this back. Yep. Yep. This is not, I just hit my mic. I'm sorry. This is not me. This is not, I'm not, I'm not the one paying this. That's going to be you. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm not going into debt because of your ass. <laughs> yeah. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> Fuck around and find out. Exactly. That's the definition of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I at 15, really? Like, that's still, like, that blows my mind, too. Yeah. That he would think of, and what do you, what was, what were you doing with that money at 15? That was, he was putting money into his gas tank and oh. driving around everywhere and anywhere. Where were you going? And how cheap gas was back then? Like, you had been driving forever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that reminds me. Did you ever see the movie um, Reality Bites with Winona Ryder? It was like it came out in the '90s. It was a huge '90s cult classic. I don't think so. No, that doesn't sound familiar. No. Well, it, in the movie, her dad wouldn't give her money, but he gave her a gas card. So she would go up to strangers and be like, hey, let me fill up your gas tank and put it on my card and you can just give me the cash equivalent. So she like blew up this gas card. Oh, maybe he was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So he could get the money in exchange. Maybe uh, that could be it, too. Yeah. Oh, three thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. Did dad catch him? I'm pretty sure of it. Okay. Because then after that, in 1964, at the age of 16, he enlisted in the United States Navy. He was discharged only after two months. And in less than two weeks after that, he was arrested for petty larceny in Mount Vernon. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is only a few months after the, the credit card fraud and he's escalating things quickly escalating quickly so this is what january of 65 yeah the following month he pretended to be a scarsdale police officer he entered an apartment of a mount vernon resident claiming that he was investigating her teenage daughter oh (laughs) sir (laughs) yeah I mean, he was a teenager himself, but no, no. (laughs) We don't play those games. What are you doing? Yeah, suspicious. The mom called the Mount Vernon police 
who found Abagnale with a toy gun and a paper police badge. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. The balls on this kid. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to impersonate whoever I want. It's fine. So uh, he was arrested for that after being identified in a lineup by the victim. The following day, Abagnale was ordered to by the court to be committed to Grassland Psychiatric Institute. Oh, so thought he was crazy because yeah. he's trying to pull all this stuff. Yeah. And there, there might have been something behind that. Yeah. But he didn't stay long because in June, so that was January, by June, the FBI arrested Abagnale in Eureka, California. <laughs> oh my gosh, for what? For car theft. Why would the FBI arrest somebody for that? Because of the blank checks that he stole. Oh. So that's right. where he actually, like, the movie got it right. Yeah. He did steal blank checks. And he's escalating so quickly. Yes. Abigail was pictured in the local newspaper, seated in a car, being questioned by Special Agent Richard Miller of the FBI. He had financed his cross-crunchy trip from New York to California with blank checks he stolen from a family business located in the Bronx River. Abigail was also charged for impersonating a U.S. customs official, although this charge was subsequently dropped. On July 2nd, the stolen car case was transferred to Southern District of New York because that's where it started at. Yeah. He stole the car in New York, drove it all the way to California. Wow. How old is he? He's a teenager still. 16. Oh 16. Wow. And has already been arrested three times, put in a psychiatric place. Like, that's why I think he said it glamorized his life in the movie because he spent most of his teenage years in some kind of detention. Yeah. And they didn't show that. Wow. Not at all. Holy no. crap. <laughs> yeah. And it just keeps going. Like, we're, that's only like... Tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So back to the movie. He impersonates a Pan Am pilot named Frank Taylor and forges the airline payroll checks. Soon his forgeries are worth millions of dollars. Oh my gosh. Uh... News of the crime reaches the FBI, and Agent Carl Handratty begins tracking Frank. Carl finds him at a hotel, but Frank tricks Carl into believing he is a Secret Service agent named Barry Allen, which is really freaking hilarious. Yes, it when is. When they place it, when they pinpoint it together, and it comes out that the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at that so hard. It, yeah, that's awesome. And it yeah. proves that he still has a teenage mentality that that's where he went with it. Yeah. Because they were looking for some guy, but as soon as he said the comic books, they're like, wait a second. This has to be a younger person than what we were thinking. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So clever. He is super clever. He escapes before Carl realizes that he has been fooled. Frank begins to impersonate a doctor as Dr. Frank Connors. He falls in love with Brenda, a naive young hospital nurse 
who is played by Amy Adams. I love her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we love her. We love everything that she's ever been in. Yes. Especially Enchanted. Yes. That's my favorite. It's so good. Uh, he asked her attorney father for her hand in marriage and also for her help with arranging to take the Louisiana State Bar Exam. Okay. I lost my place. Okay. Which Frank passes. Carl tracks Frank to his and Brenda's engagement party, but Frank escapes through a bedroom window, telling Brenda to meet him at the Miami International Airport two days later. At the airport, Frank spots Brenda, but also plainclothes agents. He realizes she has given him up, and he drives away. So knowing that they're all over swarming the airport, he does what he knows best, and he resumes his pilot identity. He stages a false recruiting drive for a stewardess at a local college, surrounded by eight women as stewardess. He conceals himself from Carl and the other agents at the airport and escapes from a flight to Madrid. So, um, so back to real life. Paul Holson... A student at the time, Abbeydale conducted a physical examination on several female college students who wanted to be part of flight crews. I have to redo that whole thing because I skipped ahead. (laughs) Okay. A whole bunch that I was like, I'm almost done. That's not right. Okay. So Madrid, Spain. Okay. So in real life, I just skipped over, like, five years of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back in time. It'll be fun. Yeah. So after being released into the custody of his father to face for the stolen car charges, 17-year-old Abagnale decided to impersonate a pilot. He obtained a uniform at a Manhattan uniform company purchased with the money he obtained from the forgery of checks. And on July 7, 1965, informed local media that he was a graduate of the American Airline Pilot School in Fort Worth, Texas. But he was arrested for theft of checks in New York days later. Like, he really was so bold that he went out in front of the media and was like, yep, I'm a graduate from the American Airlines. That's so scary. It's so scary. He didn't actually ever fly a plane, did he? I don't think so, no. Nothing that I saw, he actually flew a plane. Okay, good. Let's, because that's terrifying to me. Like, oh, okay. That's scary that you can. Yeah, sit in the jump seat. That's one thing, but don't, don't actually try to fly it. (laughs) Right. Like, how many people pretended to be other things, like, that didn't get caught? Ugh. I don't want to think about that. That's scary. doctors and like it just the confidence that he must have had to just be like yep and everybody was like okay i believe you (laughs) that's too much confidence there is such thing as too much confidence yeah so abignale was sentenced to three years at the great meadow prison in comstock new york for those stolen checks okay after serving only two years of his sentence because, you know, let's let you out on good behavior. 
He was released <laughs> into the custody of his mother. But he broke the terms of his parole with another stolen car conviction from Boston, Massachusetts. Oh my gosh, he does not learn from his mistakes. Not at all. They should have locked away the key. Put him away, mm-hmm. lock him up, you're done. Yeah. You cannot be rehabilitated. Yeah, not at all. And then he was returned to Great Meadows for another year. So after his release on December 24th, 1968, this point he is 20 years old. And he's already been in and out of prison. In and out of prison. Yeah. Abingdale disguised himself as a TWA pilot and moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana where he talked his way into the house of a local music teacher whose daughter was a Delta Airlines stewardess he had met in New York. In Baton Rouge, Abagnale was befriended a local minister and claimed he had a master's degree in social work from Ithaca College. Oh my gosh! And sought work with the vulnerable youth with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Oh, wow. Where did he even come up with this shit? (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know. It's crazy. It to is. To think that he did all of this stuff. Imagine if he would have used his, his mental abilities for good. Like, what he could have accomplished. Yeah. So, the Reverend introduced him to a Louisiana State University faculty member who determined that he was an obvious phony. So okay, he got good. Again. Good. The Reverend, after Abagnale had told him that he was a furloughed TWA pilot, became suspicious and called the airline, which informed him that Abagnale was a fraud. Oh. The Reverend notified the Baton Rouge Police Department, and Abagnale was arrested on February 14, 1969. Initially on vagrancy charges? I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh... Upon his arrest, he was found to have illegally driven his Florida rental car out of the state and to possess falsified airline employee identification. And he was in possession of falsified airline identifications. That's some serious shit, too. (laughs) Yeah. And they still didn't lock him up. No. (laughs) They're like, you'll stop eventually. Like... Yeah, this is not just a slap on the wrist kind of thing. Like, the this man has proven time and time again that he doesn't care. He's going to do whatever he wants, and he's going to fraud whoever he wants. Yep. This is a habit that he's not intending to break anytime soon. Not at all. No. The following day, detectives determined that Abingdale had stolen b- blank checks from his host family and a local business in Baton Rouge and he was subsequently charged with theft and forgery. Unable to make bail, he was convicted on June 2nd, 1969, and he was sentenced to 12 years of supervised probation. Probation. (laughs) Yeah, you don't think he can get around that? All the things that he's accomplished? Right. And... Of course, because they only put him on probation and not into jail, he fled to Europe. Of course he did. Why wouldn't he? (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Two weeks after the Louisiana bench warrant was issued, Abagnale was arrested in Montpelier, France in September of 1969. He had stolen an automobile and defrauded two local families in Sweden. He was sentenced to four months for theft in France, though he served only three months in prison. Like, (sighs) why is he not doing his full sentences? Like, just maybe just look at his track record. Look at his track record. Yeah. This is not a first-time offender. Yeah. Wow. He was then extradited to Sweden. So at least he he went from France to Sweden. And where he was convicted of gross fraud by forgery. He served two months in prison there, was banned from Sweden for eight years, and was required to compensate his Swedish victims, which he allegedly failed to do. He got banned from the entire country. (laughs) (laughs) From the entire country, he got banned. (laughs) Yes. They were like, no, you can go. It's fine. Yeah. Yep. We don't want you here. You can take your crimes back to the U.S. (laughs) Yep. Sweden doesn't want you. (sighs) Nope. He tried to appeal, but it failed in June of 1970 after he was deported back. Um, I realized that we're going to have to kind of turn this into two episodes because I have quite a bit more information to go. I don't want to make it super long. So. All right. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to cut it there? Yeah, we'll cut it there. Okay. And we'll get to the point of his mother and how France and uh, then like what he did with later of his life and how he All right. actually turned it around. Good for him. <laughs> he used his powers for good for a little while. His frontal lobe finally became developed enough that he's like oh okay (laughs) i would like to not continue to get arrested yeah so that's where we're going to stop for today right and we're going to do the next for part two yes which i'm very excited about and how he gets brought down for once and for all um i'm still going over my ideas for my next episode and if would love to hear from any of you, if you have some ideas of things you would like me to cover, Sandra, where can the nice people yes. contact us? You can contact us. Con- contact us. At, <laughs> uh, I almost said once upon a book. I've got like once upon a book on my brain. And I've been yeah, like me too. so <laughs> on that, that I almost gave that website. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, they can go there, too, but they won't find Mimisa's stuff there. No. Well, I mean, they will if they come and see us in Michigan. Yes, there there they will, not on the website. We're confusing people even more by trying to explain this. I know. Okay. So the Mimisa's podcast at Facebook, Instagram. You can email us at the Mimisa's podcast at gmail.com. Those are all the ways that you can get a hold of us. Awesome. We also have our tip jar up. If you uh, want to support the show, help us grow, help us expand, want to throw a few pennies at us here and there, um, where can they do that at? That one is mimesis.captivate 
anchor.fm slash support. And there is preset buttons, or you can just give a one-time tip of whatever you would like. Perfect. You can also help us out by continuing to listen and leave us leave us a review on any platform that you listen on. Reviews are key. So yes. we appreciate them. Reviews are key. We uh, really do. And you might even get us to respond back to you. No, you will get us to respond back to you. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> we absolutely will. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. Yes. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Mimesis. If you enjoy this podcast, by all means, tell your friends about it and give us a review on whatever platform you listen on. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. <laughs>